0: So the first thing I want to do is talk about tonight the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want to lay it out through Scripture, and then we're going to kind of go back. He was singing tonight, fire fall down. Well, listen, if you're not from church or you haven't been raised in church, you singing about fire falling down, that shouldn't make sense to you. Like, that should be weird, actually. You're like, why would fire fall down? Like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So if you're in that boat where that doesn't make sense, the Holy Spirit, you, you can talk about he's the wind, he's fire. There's a lot of different parts of the Holy Spirit. And some of you now are even thinking other things the Holy Spirit is. We're going to go back next week and kind of cover that. Okay? So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Mark 1. I'm going to read verses 4 through 8. It says, John came baptizing in the wilderness... And preaching a baptism, hold right here, of repentance for the remission of sin. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We, first of all, we just want to thank you so we can move forward. We pray that you speak, you open our hearts. God, we bind every spirit that would distract and hinder in the name of Jesus Christ. We take authority. We pray for your peace and your love and your joy in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mark, the first thing I want you to see is he preached there was a baptism and it was a baptism of repentance for the remission, the forgiveness of our sins. That's, that's as clear salvation as you can get. If you've actually repented of your sins and you've had your sins forgiven or remitted and you've been baptized in water, you are, you are now baptized. And I'll show you this later. You have the Holy Spirit has baptized you into the family of God. I said it Sunday morning and you should have seen people's faces when I said there's three baptisms. We only honor two. Well, there's the first baptism right there and I'll show you later. When you are baptized into the body of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit does it. First, look at verse 5. The whole region of Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River and they were confessing their sins. That's a good place to start. John was clothed with camel's hair, and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He preached, saying, After me, one mightier than I, the straps of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I indeed have baptized you with water. Now look at this. See, we say the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but this scripture right here clearly shows you it's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. But He will baptize you With the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want you to see something. I've got to set this precedent for you, and i got to get you to think about it. You know why a lot of Pentecostal preachers don't want to task this? Because it leaves audience members confused and they're scared they're not going to come back. Listen, if they're preaching something crazy, you should never come back. I'm going to show you Scripture tonight, okay? I want you to see something, though. John said, I've baptized you with water. Which means they've confessed their sins, it said twice, they've repented, they've been baptized. You see that pattern? And he said, after that though, he, the one, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Let's not get over spiritual and try to throw out a lot of things you've been taught by people that aren't qualified. How about that? Sometimes getting taught in the pews by your, your neighbor is probably some of the worst things that can ever happen to you. Be careful who's teaching you. So the word baptized there, there's a lot of people that don't, they believe in sprinkle in and all that stuff. It's baptismo. It means to submerge. You can't get any better than that. You dunk them. It has to be a dunk. And, and the reason that this is important is the first baptism that we just read about, Jesus Christ takes your heart, the Holy Spirit takes your heart, and he plunges it and baptizes it into the blood of Jesus Christ for the remission of every sin. I'm thankful for that encounter. That is the most important thing to happen to any person on planet earth is they get the first baptism and they are baptized into the kingdom of God. Their heart that is dark and filled with sin has been covered by the blood of Jesus. And the Bible says we are now white as snow because of what he did. So if you're here tonight and you've never had the remission of your sins and felt the freedom from sin and been clean and you feel redeemed by God, Lucas sings a song, I'm redeemed. If you don't know that feeling, the Bible says all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. You just have to acknowledge my heart is in the bad posture. I need you to cleanse me and forgive me. It's not a church thing. It's a real thing. I think a lot of believers need to get back to repentance. Where we just say, baptize my heart in the love of God. Just completely get me back right with you, God. So I don't want to pass that up while I speak about this. But the second thing is, we're going to talk about languages tonight. And what you might have heard is speaking in tongues. I do not want you to miss what I'm about to say. The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and a prayer language from God, and we'll cover it over the next few weeks, is that you are filled and completely submerged by the Spirit of God. Don't miss that. So many people make it about tongues and they seek tongues. No, 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 no. Jesus said in John 14, "It's expedient that I go away. If I go away, I'm going to send the one just like me. He's going to come back to you. He's going to reprove the world of sin. He's the one that convicts. He's going to give you righteousness. He's going to show you things to come. We want Him. The same way you would want Jesus Christ tonight to say, I want all of Jesus I can have. What you're saying in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is I want all of God's Spirit that I can have. God's Spirit has always been. The Bible says in Genesis He moved upon the face of the deep. God the Father willed creation. God the Son, John 1 says the Word was with God and the Word was God. Nothing was made without Him that was made. He was the one that stepped out. It was Jesus that stepped out and said, let there be light and the Holy Spirit formed light. That is how the Trinity works together. It's from the beginning of time. This is not some mysticism. This is not. Listen, you have to throw away stuff that you've seen. People can mess up good things. They get. That's not just in the the biblical world. That's in everything. You get people in it, they can mess it up. Don't don't go by that. Read your Bible. That's what we're here for tonight. If you don't understand what I'm saying, pray that God shows you. Because I, I'm not. I've never tried to convince one person about what I believe. Even if they ask me, I tell them, you need to get your Bible and you need to read that Bible and read these scriptures that I'm telling you. And you got to come to a conclusion because there's some catches like this. Paul said, forbid not speaking of tongues in church. So there's a lot of people that say it died off with the apostles and I'll show you scripture where it didn't. But listen, those people he was writing to were Gentile Converts, and he was telling them, You cannot forbid tongues in your church. Now, I'm not talking about any other church. I don't care what they believe. In this church, we do not forbid the speaking of tongues. But with that caveat, if you've been around me long enough, at one youth camp, I remember one time we had a group come in with us, and I got up from the pulpit and I rebuked them all and shut it down. Everything must be done decently and in order. Everybody just can't come in, Paul said, speaking in tongues, blabbing everywhere. It doesn't make any sense. He says, when the people from the world come in, we look like a bunch of heathens. So it's common sense based. Remember back to what it is. The Holy Spirit baptism is for you. I'm telling you, I don't care if you speak in tongues today. You should have a desire for God to repetitively baptize you, submerge you, and cover you in the power of His Holy Spirit. There's a sweetness that comes from the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth. All deception goes away. He's the encourager like no other because He only speaks the things He heard. He speaks not of himself so he's going to remind you of scriptures about who Jesus is and how he's going to lead you through the fire and how he's going to he's going to undergird you and strengthen you and help you the holy spirit baptism is wonderful now I want you to look at another thing I want to just make a point real quick first corinthians 12 12 through 14 I want you to catch something in here For as the body is one and has many parts, and all the many parts of that one body are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit, this is back to that first baptism. I want you to see I'm not just making this up. For by one Spirit, capital S, we are all baptized into one body. So everybody Sunday morning that looked confused when I said there's three baptisms, Don't read over and miss that right there. The Holy Spirit, when you got saved, I know a lot of people that are scared of the Holy Spirit, and that's okay because it is the supernatural. He is supernatural. It's okay. But the more you know of something, the less scared you are of it. But I want you to see the Spirit that you think is so scary is the one that actually convicted you of your sins and he's actually the one that loved you and baptized you and submerged you into the body of Christ. Amen. And then he cut out all Jew, Gentile, it didn't matter about lines anymore, the Holy Spirit just busted through lines by the blood of Jesus and I'm thankful for that. Whether we are slaves or free and we've all been made to drink of one spirit. I think I gave you one more. The body is not one part, but many, and he just keeps going. So I want to show you that. There's three baptisms. There's the baptism where you get saved and you're baptized in that. There's the baptism in water, which we all know is Christ himself charged us to make sure we repent and be baptized. We're going to read that in water. And then there's, I'm going to show you now. That There's what we call a baptism, submersion, a dunking of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I'm going to show you that it's a separate encounter just the same way you can't say, well, I got baptized in water when I got saved. Well, Well, no, you didn't. You got saved and then you got baptized in water. It's two separate events. Well, if you got saved and then you got baptized in water, well, then there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, and, I'll, and I'll, 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 we'll walk through it. So let me tell you something else. If at any time this gets where you're, you're kind of weirded out by it, or you're, you're kind of confused, not weirded out by it, but you're confused, just stay with me. Don't, don't just discount it. The Holy Spirit is here, and He loves you, and He wants to show you the truth. Stay in the Scriptures. Let's look at some Scriptures, Acts 2, 1 through 8. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a mighty Russian wind. So we're going to talk about that next week. The Holy Spirit, like a wind, why he's referred to as breath and wind, pneuma is the word, came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now stop. How many of you, and don't put up your hands, but just think about it. How many times in your life have you been sitting in a house together with believers? And I don't mean like a house. It could be a house. And you sit, you're sitting in a church service, and the presence of God comes in the room, and it came out of nowhere. It might have been in, I've been in dry services before, where you didn't even think Brother Roy smiling, where you didn't even think you thought, "Well, this is done." I was at a camp service one time where I watched on the front row this is how long ago it was. Carissa wasn't even singing. She was in the audience. So that had to be a long time ago. And I watched her from the front row as I was leading worship make up her mind that she had not had enough of God. And she took, it was the weirdest thing. She took a step just one step forward and threw her hand up and you could see it on her hand, she was seeking God's presence and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, the bo- I call it the bottom dropped out. The Holy Spirit flooded that room. People began to worship, people began to cry, people began to pray. The Holy Spirit has a holy order. <laughs> He will set things in order that's not even in order to the place where, and you say, well, I don't understand that. Well, yeah, in the Old Testament, every time his physical presence showed up, the ministers and the churchgoers, the Levites, could not minister because of the cloud. He called it the glory. He disrupted their daily function. And what we need more of is we need more. Some of you feel so dry and the devil's got you so scared of the Holy Spirit and him moving that he is the key to the breath back in your heartbeat and the breath back in your prayer meeting and that rushing wind getting you back alive. Amen. Amen. And it filled Not some, but the whole house. Amen. Where they were sitting. Acts 3, 2, 3. There appeared to them tongues as of fire. So now we know why we're saying fire. The Holy Spirit is fire. Being distributed and resting on each one of them. Verse 4. Go back to that. Let's read that again. They appeared... There appeared to them tongues, and the word tongues there is simply translated language. That's all it is. People have made it, when you say, man, people speak in tongues and people get weird. I met a girl the other day that was Assembly of God, and she didn't know I was an Assembly of God pastor. And uh, I said, Where do you go to church? She said, The Assembly of God. And I was like, Oh, are y'all like those, um, y'all, the snake people that drink poison? She was like, No, you've never heard of us. I was like, not, not me and Sid were together and we were like, no, not, not really. Um, y'all, are y'all those weird people? And then I told her, but there's like this real weird stigma because they, you hear of speaking of tongues, it's languages. And I just want you to see it's languages. Um, and it was distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit so now all of a sudden that baptism in the Spirit's there and begin to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. Now there's a lot of nuggets in this. So there's a lot of people that do not understand the way that speaking in tongues works. There, I've seen teachings where they grab their, their lip and like repeat after me that's not how it works. I've seen, I've seen people shake people and try to, you know, I've seen them do all kinds of crazy stuff. Nobody had to help that 120 people. The Holy Spirit gave them the words. Listen, I, even if I didn't believe in it, and I've preached before and, and taught, I remember when God called me to preach, the first time I ever taught, I went to my grandfather and said, It's the weirdest thing. I stood up there in front of the class, and as I opened my mouth, all these wonderful things began to come out of my mouth, and things I had never even thought about in my notes, and things that people said helped them, and it began to flow out of my mouth, a language, an an English language. You know, I think sometimes we get tripped up. Heaven's not English. (laughs) You say, really? Yeah, because if you read 1 Corinthians 13, Some people say that's speaking in tongues when it says the tongues of angels. That absolutely is not what it means. If it wanted to say speaking in tongues, it would say filled with languages. It says the tongues of angels, which means the angels have a language they speak. It's a language. And so people don't want to get weird into it, so they're like, yeah, that means speaking in tongues. No, it doesn't. It means an angelic language. You could speak the angel language, but if you don't have love, who cares if you've learned the angel language? That's all he's saying. It's it's so cool. So, if he can let me tonight speak in English, and he can give me the words, how can I not believe him to fill me with a language of heaven that only me and God can hear and me and God can understand. And the Bible says, praying in the Holy Ghost, building up your most holy faith. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself prays through us. There are things in your soul That you don't know you have. There are fears, insecurities. There are things that you have not even had a revelation on about yourself that the Holy Spirit is targeting through prayer. When you pray in the Spirit, and He is praying to God that it's exposed, that it's forgiven, and that it's set free. This is the most common sense doctrine. That's why there's millions of people on the planet that believe this. It's in the Bible. I'll tell you another thing that happens. Say a little young lady's up here praying or a girl from Teen Challenge and the Lord very seldom lets me pray with girls. I don't want to pray with girls. If he pricks me to pray with a girl, I find Bethany or one of the leadership team to come stand there. But if I pray, say I'm praying with a young girl and the Lord begins to pray in the spirit. And and listen, first of all, it can be so misused. If somebody is down there praying at the altar, Please don't pray in an unknown language in their ear. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You say, well, it just came over me. No, but you, the spirit of God's a gentleman. And so if I'm praying in tongues in Austin's ear, and he's down there praying for his brother to get saved, I just distracted him. That is not what the Holy Spirit came to do. Now, are there times I pray in the tongues when I'm praying for people? Yes, and I try to be very observant. Now, there are times when I pray loud in the Spirit for people. I already know what they're praying for, and I feel that unction to encourage them. But I'm very careful when somebody's down. But back to my story. So some young girl's down, and I go and pray for her. Well, she's been raped by an uncle since she was eight, till she was 18. You think she wants me to discern that in the Holy Spirit and to start praying, God, I pray you heal every wound of rape in this girl's life. Doesn't make sense, does it? But the Holy Spirit prays through me in a language and He prays, God, I want you to heal her and I want you to minister to her and I don't want you just to touch her now. I want you to walk with her in your presence and your healing and let her be free from the wounds. It's, it's a common sense doctrine. And I don't go around to people that don't believe it and say, how can you not see it? It's not my job to help them see it. It's my job to love them and focus on what we do agree on. Amen. Let's keep reading. You all okay tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Now I want you to see this. This, this. These few verses pretty much has changed the way I look at altar and look at church. Now dwelling in Jerusalem were Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were confounded because each man heard them speaking in his own language. Now, I want you to see something. The Bible called it, and the translation said tongues, and now you're getting a more clear picture and a more... They heard people that didn't speak Their language, magnifying God in their language. That would be like right now if somebody was here from France and I begin to magnify and praise God in French, I have no idea what French is. I can tell you so many stories. I mean, I know what French is, but I don't know how to speak French. (laughs) They would be like, whoa, that dude is from the South and he's speaking French perfectly. You say, does that happen all the time? I can't tell you how many people that was that one of my favorite stories about this. And just keep that up. We're just going to go as far as we can go. I learned a lot of the things I did about the baptism in the Holy Spirit from listening to great stories that just emphasize. And as the Lord leads me tonight, I told him I'd just share them. So there was a guy that, that moved off to Japan in the military. I mean, actually, he's from Japan. I'm sorry. And he came over to America. And, and he got somehow yoked up with the military. And he wasn't like in the army, but he was helping them with things. And he was a part of them, like a con, general contractor. Well, all of a sudden, he heard on the news that his city had been ravished by a tsunami. And he's frantic. And he can't get back to his city. And he can't get any communication. The, all the cell phone towers are down, everything's down. He's at this little country church in Oklahoma. And I think it's Oklahoma. The city don't matter. You see, I'm almost positive. It might be Missouri. But anyway, he decides to visit a church to go pray. He didn't even know anything about the church. Happened to be an Assembly of God church. He wanders in the back. And at the end of the service, he's prayed and everything's gone through. And he was just like, God's not answering me. God's not hearing me. And in the, right before it ended, this little old granny stood up and she began to speak in tongues. And everybody got quiet. And she prayed in tongues for about three minutes. And then she sat down. No interpretation, which we'll get to 99.9999999% of the time. There needs, if you stop a service, there should be an interpretation. She sat down and the pastor kind of waited on God and he felt like it was okay to close. When he closed, the man, the, the Japanese man in the back came down bawling and sobbing. He said she now listen this granny didn't even have an eighth grade education she was uneducated she was not, southern language was her only english okay and he was bawling and he said she spoke in perfect japanese She told me my daughter's name, my mom's name, my wife's name, said they're all okay. Told me next week they're going to call me on Tuesday to prove it, that God is God. That's what it looks like. That's what it's all about. that's, That's how you can make it what it's not. Don't make it what it's not. I love, I've probably told this before, but a lot of you haven't been here for a while. You're new, you're new to the church, but I'll never forget sitting at UAB around a table of people that I had hung out with for the last two years, because we were in junior and senior year together in the same major, and we had all been hanging out with each other and hanging at each other's house. And one day, one of the guys that was Methodist made a joke and made fun of Pentecostals and tongue-talking people, and everybody laughed, and they looked, I looked weird, and I was like, I didn't think that was that funny. And I was like, well, you guys do know that I speak in tongues every day. And they were like, this is the girl's answer. She said, no way. You're normal. That's the idea that I want to break. Listen, I'm not telling you we should be normal. I know what she meant by that. Because I was probably closer to God then than I was now. And I was living close to him then, closer than now. I'm trying to live close now. I'm just saying. But back then, I was no two jobs and a lot of free time to really walk and talk with him like I wanted to. She wasn't saying I was just living this average, flippant life. She was just saying, wow, most of the people we meet that are spirit-filled people are, are weirdos. And we are a peculiar people, a royal nation, but that's all believers. Every Christian that's been baptized in the first baptism into Jesus should be have a standard. We should look different, talk different, act different. It's summertime. Some of you girls need to be baptized into the Jesus again. And remember that God doesn't care about how fashioned you feel you are. But he cares about what his word says, that you should adore yourself in modest apparel. I didn't write that. And I know it's cool to do all these other things. Don't be mad at me. I'm not the author of that scripture. I heard Francis Chan the other day in a new rally, and I about wrecked my car laughing. He was like, I'm not saying if you're lukewarm, you're going to go to hell and miss the rapture. He's like, I'm not saying that. Matthew 25 did <laughs> and I thought we lost it he was just like so matter-of-fact like why are you mad at me I didn't write that I'm living to the same standard and we had the we are different We're, what we listen to what we watch and may, maybe a lot of people are raised in evangelical assembly of God have been here for a long time maybe they don't understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit because maybe there's no difference. <laughs> maybe, there's, maybe there's. I'm debating whether to say something, but I'm not. We have. Yes, we are peculiar people. That does not mean we abuse the gifts of tongues. The reason that 1 Corinthians was written is because they abuse spiritual gifts. And we can get to that later, but I'm going to cover it now because i got about 15 minutes and I'm not even close. Spiritual gifts would be like if I gave Sierra a new car and said, you only can drive it to work and back. Here's the keys to it. You deserve a new car. Now, it's her gift. If she decides to go pick up Maddie and Chastity, and then go out on the town, and go out and eat all the good food, and the barons game, and go to go to the bowling out. I don't know what's wrong. Top golf, and they go everywhere. The gift's been abused. So sometimes we see that happen, and we're like, they question the gift. No, 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 no. People can misuse the gift, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So that's why we had to write 1 Corinthians to set it in order. And if that doesn't make sense, my story, we'll talk later. You can come find me afterwards or shoot me a text. But but people can definitely be, when I was raised, we called it overzealous in spiritual gifts. And that's what happens. Some people get too happy. It's good they're happy. And when they should not use their gift, they use it. And that's just part of it. It's not really should be, but it is. All right, look at verse 7. We've got to hustle. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to each other, "Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own native language? That they, they didn't have learn a language on CD? <laughs> these guys didn't have phones and Google Translate. There were Galileans. And when they heard, these people heard them speaking all these multiple languages. How awesome is God that He brought them all together for the Feast of Pentecost so all the languages would be available for Him to show I've come to all languages. So let me tell you what should happen in church, what happens here. This is the model, and this is where a lot of you have gotten burned and confused because preachers like myself until the last year didn't understand how significant this should be. So say there's something that happens in evangel, and all of a sudden, and my granddad's really been awesome at this, this he got it. It just took me a while to get it. He's been amazing at it. You can trust Him as a shepherd. And you you know He's got control of the service. But this is what should happen. What happens there? Something awesome happens. Say you're not used to people coming down into the river, they call it. And you're like, what river are they talking about? This is confusing. Okay, we can explain it. But they come down and God begins to move. And you feel something in your heart. And you begin to feel that power and that draw. And maybe somebody gives out a message in tongues. And somebody interprets. Listen, at that point, what happens is there's a lot of people that are confused. And what has to happen is the pastor, who is Peter in this story, has to come and explain this. Everything you just heard is biblical 1 Corinthians shows you clearly how the gifts should operate and they are for the non-believer and they should explain to you, you've just seen how God chose, not us choose, to speak to His body. What did He say? This was spoken by the prophet Joel. How did He talk to him? With the Bible. He made sure they understood that this was a biblical experience And that's exactly what I try to do when God interrupts in a holy way in our service. And hopefully now that you're studying with me and reading about the Holy Spirit, you can help people understand that, hey, what we've just encountered is in the scriptures. Here's the chapter. Here's the verse. This is amazing. God has not stopped being God. Now I want you to skip real quick to Acts 38 through 41. So Peter had been preaching to them, and he said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Now, I don't have time to keep iterating the repent and the baptism. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm ready to teach, and I've only got 10 minutes, so y'all got to just buckle up. Some of y'all are tired. Like me, you should have hit a Red Bull before service. For the promise is to you, your children, to those who are far off. Now, let's not miss this. Verse 38, you don't have to go there, says, Repent, be baptized, you receive a gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've heard so many people in my life say that the Holy Spirit baptism was only for the original apostles. Well, then they got a problem with Cornelius' house because Cornelius' house got baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in other languages as well. And then they say it's for that age of the establishing of the gospel. Well, I hate to tell you, your opinion is garbage compared to the Word of God. He clearly says, it's to the people standing here, it's to their kids, it's to those that are way far off, and it's as many as the Lord our God will call. And by the way, no man can come to repentance without him calling you. So he just told you with exclamation points, if you have been called of God and he's called you as the good shepherd to come be a sheep and be saved, then you as a Christian are a candidate for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I might have to teach this later. There are a lot of our friends in this area that I have as pastor friends. Um, pastor Kevin Ham at Gardner First Baptist, for instance, he believes that when he reads the gifts in Corinthians and the gift here, he believes that he does pray in tongues, and he will tell you, I pray in tongues in my private life. You can, when you hear him preach, you know he preach, speaks in tongues. I can't, I've never heard a preacher yet that I didn't know if they were spirit-filled or not. Them dry, dead ones, you can tell. The ones that got the fire with them, you can tell the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, are there some Christians who's been baptized into Jesus Christ that are excellent teachers and preachers? Absolutely. It's just like putting nitrous in a car for some reason. I can tell. So I knew Kevin Ham was. I could just tell. But see, he believes he is one of the few that has the gift of tongues. If you read the gifts, he believes that. And I'll show you later There's a completely difference between a spirit baptism and you having a prayer language and being used in the gift of tongues. I prayed in tongues since I was 12 years old and God baptized me in the Holy Spirit. Not until two years ago at Evangel did God start to develop and use me in the gift of tongues. And we'll talk through that over the next couple of years. I mean, couple of meetings, (laughs) not years. (laughs) Not years. I could probably, I mean, think about it. You're teaching on the third member of the Godhead. You could teach for 40 years. But I want you to see something. Take away point number one. All that stuff was prefaced to get right here. Point number one it's for you. It is for you. Okay? Now, did I give you through 41? Let's go quick. With many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. I think I just add that. To those who gladly received his word, were baptized in that day, about 3,000 souls were added to, the, to them. I want you to see something. The Holy Spirit falls. When the Holy Spirit falls, souls are saved. You'll never see. When the Holy Spirit gets involved in evangel assembly of God, the way he wants to, souls will be saved. We'll wear the baptism out. When he has his way in our every day, not just our Sunday and Wednesday life, the Holy Spirit will only push people to Jesus. And if we push people to Jesus, he will draw them. Amen. I'm excited. I've had a tough week and I feel the power of God. Acts 8. I want you to see this. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Now, You have to get... Listen, if you're new to this, I need you to do two things for me. I need you to write down Acts 8, and I need you to write down Acts 19, and I need you to study Acts 8 and 19 like you've never studied anything in your Bible before because this is the foundation of Pentecost. So Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Hear what he's preaching? When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miracles which he did... What would our churches today in America look like if deacons had the power of God so strong that people saw miracles? What would it look like today if us pastors had the miracle power? I'm not letting us off the hook. They listened in unity. Do you see how when God begins to move in His Spirit, it unites? Listen, this week I had a friend, have a, he had a vision of me. Had no idea. You can ask Bethany. It's the most crazy thing I've ever had happen to me. And it's Brother Frost. And if you know Brother Frost, he's, he had no idea what was going on. He had a vision, and he told me. I preached Sunday morning when I said, God, last Wednesday, I said, what's wrong in here? And he said, there's a spiritual attack, the spirit of Python. If you missed the sermon, go get it. The spirit of Python's here. Brother Frost sent me a message and said, there's, there's a spiritual attack in your church because there's breakthrough coming, that the devil is trying to divide the church. How we beat that devil is unity of the Holy Spirit. We get the Spirit of God. When that devil is working, it'll work in you, it'll work in me, it'll work in anybody that'll let it work. And that don't mean you say, I want you to work, devil, in my life. It means you neglect the power of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And that truth is not there. Amen. So they listened in unity because the Spirit was there, what he said. Now, verse 7, look at this. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed. See, when you get unified in the Holy Spirit's there, the spirits leave. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. All right? Now, a, a man named Simon was previously in the city practicing sorcery and astonished um, the the nation of Samaria saying he was someone great to whom they all listened from the least to the greatest saying this man is is the great power of God. They listened to him because for a long time he had astonished them by his sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Now this is what I want you to see folks. Both men and women were baptized. They heard the kingdom of God. They were baptized. Does that sound like salvation to everybody in this room, please? Now, verse 13. Even Simon himself believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip, and that was amazed as he watched the miracles, signs, and wonders that were done. Let me tell you something. That Simon right there is alive and well in most Pentecostal churches today. He doesn't really want to be a part, but he's following it because he likes the feel-good of the Holy Spirit. You just got to keep on loving the Simons. They're only there to be um, spectators, they want to see the power of God. They don't really want to know Him. God help none of us be that way. Verse 14. Now when the apostles were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, this is such a vital set of scriptures. They sent Peter and John to them. When they came down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Hold tight. Wait a minute. The men and women heard the word of God, believed the kingdom of God, were baptized in water. If they got the Holy Spirit when they got saved, why in the world would the apostles leave their city to make sure that they receive the Holy Spirit? You got to answer that. I don't care what your preacher friends have told you. I don't care what anybody's told you. You got to deal with that. You might have gone to a church your whole life that don't want to address the book of Acts. I know many people that I ask them when they find out and they get filled with the Holy Spirit and they go to a church and I say, why did you, where did, why did y'all not believe that? They're like, man, we dodged Acts like the plague. I didn't write any of this. Back to Francis Chan. I want you to see this. So they got baptized and saved, and God was doing miracles, and the apostles heard that they had might rec- came down, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. This is so clear. It's a second baptism. It's actually the third baptism. You're baptized into Jesus. The Holy Ghost does it. You're baptized into water. Both of them, it happened to that. And then you're baptized by Jesus in the Holy Spirit. Now look at 16. For still he had come on none of them. Look at this. They were only baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, if you've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, you are saved. Verse 17. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Did I give you any more or that's enough? It's clear. It is a separate encounter. They got saved, they got baptized, the apostles heard, and they said, whoa, they need this empowering, Acts 1.8. They need to be endued with power on high after the Holy Spirit has come upon them to be witnesses. They can't just live it in Samaria without this baptism in the Spirit where God just submerged. Why would you want to? I was listening to a great preacher who's who grew up in a Baptist church. And listen, if you think I'm against Baptist or Methodist or any other denomination, then you don't have the Spirit of Christ. We're all in this together. But I'm gonna walk in what the Bible has for me. You should want and desire him to plunge you in the Holy Spirit. Him to submerge you. One more time. Now they're going to come out and they're slamming that door like they don't realize life is around them. But who cares? Stay with me. Acts 19, 1-7. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper region and came to Ephesus. Look at this. He found some disciples and said to them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said to him, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, this is so much clearer. He said to them, into the what then were you baptized? They said into what? John's baptism. Hold that tight. What did we read in the very beginning? Maybe you forgot. What is John's baptism? Repentance and water. They are saved. They have been baptized in the body of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm I'm pumped up about that. Verse 4. Paul said John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people that they should believe in the one coming after him. That is Christ Jesus. Once again, he quotes scripture. Verse five. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. Now, As we close, and I I could have gone for 14 more hours, and we're probably going to do a couple more weeks. As we're closing, I want you to see something. This is all I want to show you tonight. I don't care if you say you've spoken tongues before. The baptism of the Holy Spirit has to be active in your life. I can't tell you how many people over the years at this church that were active in serving, they were active in all kind of ministries, and they would come down to the altar, and you could just see it in their life that they were not pr- productive for Jesus. And I would ask them, when's the last time you prayed in your, the language? And they would say, it's been a long time. Well, that means that you cut off the flow of the Holy Spirit. And he's gonna, you're going to dry out like a creek. Because see, Jesus said, out of your belly will flow, he that believes in me, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. This he spake of the Spirit who had not yet fallen on any of them. Why? Because Christ was not yet glorified. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, then the Holy Spirit's going to come out of us. And out of our belly is going to flow rivers of living water. And listen, it's amazing. It's it's a he. He. He's amazing. This encounter is awesome. That's the reason that the disciples made a journey to Samaria. He said, yes, they're saved. Yes, the demons are fleeing. But we've got to get the power and the promise of the Holy Spirit in these guys' life so they can continue to change the world. It's the same for us. If you're going to have an influence at your job. But I just want to show you tonight, there's three baptisms. There's the baptism that the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12. There's the baptism in water that John preached where the old man dies and the new man comes alive. But there is a third baptism that is for every single believer. You can see it there. I didn't even cover Cornelius' house. We'll do that next week. You can see it there. Did you guys receive the Holy Ghost since you got saved? We didn't even know if there was a Holy Ghost. Well, then what are you doing? We just got baptized in water. Okay. Okay. And he said he laid their hands on them and they began to speak in tongues and God filled them with the Holy Spirit. All I want to do tonight is, in everybody, all of us, is stir up a desire again to be filled with God's Spirit. Say, God, I want you to baptize me just in the Holy Spirit, Lord. I want His glory in my life. I want His power in my life. And you say, what about tongues? I wouldn't focus on that right now for nothing. I would focus on the third member of the Trinity whose name is the Holy Spirit. And I would focus on getting more of Him in your life. And there'll be a day when you keep reading and you keep seeking the Holy Spirit, the language will come. Some of you don't even realize, I'll text you and you'll say, how did you know I was struggling? I didn't know you were struggling. The Holy Spirit knew you were struggling. As I lay in bed and pray in tongues, your face will come before me. I'll know I'm praying for you. See, Paul said, I pray in the spirit and I pray in the understanding. See, we think we understand word by word. And I was like, Lord, that's kind of weird because when I'm praying in tongues, I'm really not understanding word by word. It's a conceptual understanding. I understand what I'm praying for. When I pray in the Holy Spirit, when I pray in my language, before I preach, I would be scared to death to walk up here and I hadn't spent time in my office. The nursery happens to be across from my office. So tonight I went ahead and just got it on up to 35 and got it bumping so I couldn't hear little kids. And me and the Holy Spirit, I began to pray. He prayed through me for this service. Never notice I feel I see people when I finish preaching it makes me laugh. when I was younger I didn't get it. They want to come to me and hug me and say thank you for the word and they feel it. You know what they feel they feel the love of the Holy Spirit. They, they feel the, they feel the Holy Spirit flowing. He, he's wonderful. He's not just for preaching. he's for everyday life. Amen. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. So I know I went long tonight and I'll make it up to you next week. We got some good scriptures to go through next week. Listen, I'm expecting for God to do awesome things. But if we're not taught and lay a foundation, nobody will understand how to participate. I mean, the Holy Spirit baptism is not the end of all. It's the beginning. It unlocks fruits. It unlocks gifts. Once again, we talked about the Holy Spirit as water now. Out of your belly flows rivers of living water. Talked about the Holy Spirit as the wind. Talked about the Holy Spirit as the fire. They all have purposes in your life. You might not have even thought about it. But it's right there in the Scripture. Now, tonight as we're closing, did I teach y'all anything that was my opinion? Didn't we just read right through Scripture? I challenge you, read for Scripture. If If you've spoken in tongues before and God's filled you with His Spirit, I challenge you to look and ask God if you're living a spirit-filled life or you just had a little flow here and there. He wants to feel you. That's why we call it a baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you're confused by tonight, stay with me. You, You know me. I don't like weirdos and I don't like freaks and I don't allow that. And if you think I'm not teaching anything but something that will bless you and something that... See, so many Christians are never taught because pastors are scared people will leave. They're missing out on their power. They don't even know that, man, if you tell people about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they will love you because I can't tell you how amazing this is when you're spirit-filled. It's like it jumps off the page. Are there still terrible seasons? Absolutely. It's not a void... uh... It's not a void trouble card. He's actually the one, if you read, he's the one that drove Jesus actually right into the middle of temptation for us. He only is going to do what's best for us, not what feels good for us. He tells you things like love your enemy. I can't love my enemy, Lord. I say that every time. I can't love my enemy. It's not in me. But then it says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He can love our enemies. And the more you love your enemies, the less enemies you'll have. You listen to me. This week, for some reason, God showed me that. If you start to love your enemy, say you got one now. If you don't have an enemy, thank God. I don't know how you don't, but you're doing something wrong. (laughs) Love them. And the more you love your enemy, the less enemies you'll have. I don't know. It just clicked in my head today, this week. I was just like, whoa, yeah, that's it. That's the truth of it. So everybody stand. We're just going to pray. You guys don't realize it, but I like to preach, but I like this kind of teaching more than I love to do anything. Sometimes I feel unfulfilled because we used to come up here on Friday night and they would let me teach to them for two hours. Now, they probably didn't retain but 10 minutes of it. But they got it. I love to teach. The word of God's the most wonderful thing we've been given. It's amazing. It'll change our lives.